0: Amen. John chapter 1, looking at verses 35 to 46, the title of this message is Come and See. Come and See. Jesus is going to invite a couple of disciples to come and do life together with him. And I think that that is such a vital, vital thing today because, you know, church in my generation and and older church was just, you know, just came to church, you know, just come sit in the seat or as a old school pew and you just come and sit, you get a little song, a little worship, a little word, you just go out and just, I'll see you next Sunday. But today we need to do life together. We, we, we need to be able to let other people into our lives, because the things that God has done for us can be a blessing to other people. But if we don't do life with each other, it's an old saying that you know, we, 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 we learn in roles, but we grow in groups. And we need to get together and do life together. Life is messy. When doing life with one another, you got to roll up the sleeve and get dirty and it's just messy. But it's necessary because we need each other. We need each other. So, Jesus is going to invite them to do life together. Look what he says there uh, in verses 35 and 36. It says, Again, the next day, uh, John stood with two of his disciples. Now, John here is John the Baptist that's being referred to here and not John the author of the book. You know that. You Liberty students and you guys are well taught here. You, you know that. But of, of course, being a teacher, I got to let you know that. Just remind you of what you already know. And so, says Says again the next day John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked he said behold the Lamb of God. I want to draw something to your attention in verse 36 notice that they were looking at Jesus watch this as he walked. You understand that the Christian life is a walk. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day in Genesis 3 verses 1 through 8. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him in Genesis 5. The Christian life is a walk. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you're with me. It's a walk. It's a walk. It's a walk. He says, blessed is the man in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. No stand in the way of sinners, no sit in the seat of the scornful. It's a walk, dear people. Isaiah says, We shall run and not grow weary. We shall what? Walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, verse 31. It's a walk. Even Paul said, For we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5:7. Oh, matter of fact, do justly and walk humbly with our God in Micah 6:8. So it's a walk. So the question is, how was your walk? How was your walk with the Lord? Oh, we're all Christians here. We all sitting here. We we all Christian. We worship. We got our hands raised. Yeah. But how was your walk once you leave here? How's your walk once you get back on campus? Well, you know, that's a Christian school. We all Christians. Okay. <laughs> I understand. It's Christian in name. Yes, and they got teachers that's going to teach you and the word of God, the things of God. It reminded me of this. It reminded me of my daughter. My daughter was grown and gave me a couple of, two of my seven grandkids. And, And so she said, so we put her in Christian school, you know, when she was like in seventh and eighth grade. And I never forget what she said. She said, dad, yes, the teachers can pray with you and talk about God. But the kids are the same. Kids are the same. They just in a Christian environment. So it's easy, you know, to say, well, I go to Liberty. <laughs> Christian school. And all of them practicing Christianity. You know that, don't you? Some of them just, you know, they they want to go to another school and their mothers and their parents said, No, you going. You going over there. This is where you're going. And they get mingled in with all your kids, you know. It's been nice homeschooled and just pure, you know, pure as a driven snow. How is your walk? I want you to notice something. Notice, notice, notice what it says there. Notice what it says there. And looking at Jesus as he walked, there are people looking at you as you walk roommates come in and it's new and all that sort of stuff yeah you know I just been loving the Lord been serving God my whole life and he's gonna sit back or she's gonna sit back and they're gonna look at you as you walk as you walk this thing out called Christian life Christianity they're gonna be looking at you on the job as you say yes I go to Calvary job of Lynchburg yes the church about that word and you, they, they're like, OK, OK, and they're watching you as you walk. Don't forget that there is always someone watching you. As soon as you put the label on you that you're a Christian, as soon as you put the label on you that you go to church, that there's something about Jesus, your connection with Jesus, people are going to be looking at you. Watch this as you walk. Watch what else that it says there. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and and they followed him. And verse 38, then Jesus turned and seeing them following him, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, and then John with that parenthetical sentence and parenthesis there, uh, which is to say, Uh, When translated teacher, where are you staying? I want you to notice that Jesus, it says that they were looking at him as he walked and watch this. And then he said, it's both. You have to walk it and you have to say it. Many people are saying, oh, well, you know, I'm the silent witness. Well, okay. Okay. You just admitted that you undercover for the Lord, that you're a secret agent, Christian. I understand. I got it. I got it. And I do understand that you're not the chaplain on your job. They are not paying you to be the chaplain. Now, I understand that as well. But we have to walk it and talk it. Watch this. If we don't talk it, but just walk it, they will never know the source of your goodness. See, they would just, as a matter of fact, through your silent witness, they can also begin to think, I don't need Jesus because I can be a good person like them and and I will be okay. And you got to let them know through your words, what is the source of your goodness? Now, if you're just talking it and not walking it just the opposite then what happens is as you talk it your life will erase everything that you just finished preaching so it has to be both they looked at him as he walked and he said you know it it, it was as if Jesus is walking you know you can send somebody kind of following you you've seen enough movies where you're in the kind of and so he turns around and said, what's up? What you got? That's the Tony Clark translation. You got. <laughs> he said, what do you seek? And notice what they said. They said, where are you staying? You know what they were asking? They were saying, we heard you Teach our mentor John the Baptist just said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and so therefore we want to know where you're standing because we want to know this teaching that you just finished giving us can it be lived out at home see we're all the Christians here but can you live this thing out at home you're being well taught well fed here through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book. But can this teaching that you're getting can it be lived out at home? Are you living it at home? Because whether you believe it or not, there's a family that you're connected to. They are watching you as you walk. And you gotta understand they're looking at you. So they wanna know where where, where are you staying? We want to know, Jesus, this teaching, this good gospel, this good teaching you've given us, can it be lived out at home? Or is it just something for the church building? Is it something just for us to, to have our little thing here? But can it be lived out at home? This is where the rubber meets the road. You know. So I, I love that he said that. Look, look what else it says there. And, and then it says... He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour or about 10 o'clock in the morning, Roman time, or about 4 p.m. Jewish time. I want you to notice that he told them to come and see. And they, like I said, wanted to know whether this teaching can be lived out at home. But something I forgot to mention, Jesus told him to come and see. He wasn't like, uh, uh, what do you want to come to my house for? He, he wasn't like that, like, what, what, what do you want to see at my house? No, he told him to come and see and watch this, and they never left. What if it was your turn? This week, you told everybody to come and see, come over to my house. And we watched you, we watch what you watch. We listened to what you listened to. We ate what you ate. We woke up when you woke up, went to bed, which we looked on our phone at what you look at on your phone. At the end of the week, will we be on fire for the Lord or will we have backslidden? Will we want nothing to do with Christianity? Just by, see, Paul said, he says, follow me as I follow Christ in 1 Corinthians, 8, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. 1. And then he said in 1 Corinthians 4.16, I urge you to imitate me. The word imitate and the word follow in the Greek is mimetis. It's where we get our word mimic from. It means to follow the pattern of behavior uh, and behavior of someone or something. Paul is saying, you can follow me as I follow Christ. You can imitate me. Can we say that? I pray that one day I can. (laughs) Can we say, follow me, imitate me? Jesus said, come and see. You want to know what this Christianity is all about? All you have to do is come and see. Look what he says there. Look what he says there in verse 39, told him to come and see, and it was the 10th hour, verse 40. Uh, One of the two heard him, uh, John, speak and, and, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now, I I I love these verses. Because throughout the scriptures, Andrew is always known as Simon Peter's brother. Uh, how many of you have older brothers and sisters? Uh, you, you're like me. I'm the youngest in my family. I'm all, I have always been known as Neil's little brother. <laughs> Vicky's little brother. I'm like, I, I have a name. No, yeah, your name is Neil's little brother. That's <laughs> your name. And, and, so you can understand Andrew, he's always known as Simon Peter's brother. But one thing about Andrew, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with bringing people to Jesus. We, we this dude was as we would say back home, he was about that life. Bringing people to Jesus. He was concerned with that he wasn't concerned with shining over his brother he was concerned with bringing people to Jesus and notice notice in verse 41 he first found his own brother it it reminds me of when Jesus cast a demon out of the man in Mark chapter 5 and he told him you know the the man said look I want to go with you and what did Jesus tell him in Mark 5, 19? He says, go home. Tell your friends the great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion for you. You got to be able to share that good gospel at home. You got to be able to live that thing at home. This is why in the qualifications of a pastor in 1 Timothy 3, it says, if a man can't take care of his own house, how can he take care of the house of God? You got to live this thing at home. I got to be a pastor at home first before I try to be a pastor anywhere else. You got to be, if you're an usher, you got to be an usher at home first before you're an usher anywhere else. If you're a children's ministry worker, you got to work with your own kids first before you come and work with anybody else's kids. It has to start at the house. And Andrew found his own brother, Peter. <laughs> it's amazing that he found Peter and notice what happens with his encounter with Jesus in, in verse 42 he says he brought him to Jesus and now when Jesus looked at him he said ah you're Simon son of Jonah you should be called Cephas which is translated as stone I, I really love that he says you're Simon let me stop right there the Lord knows you, and he knows you by name. He hasn't forgotten you. I, I, I believe that there are some of you who feel forgotten by God. Don't God hear my prayers? Yes, he does. He realized that, you know, uh, uh, what was going on in your life, he knows what's happening with you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows you by name. He knows your address. You know, it's funny how some people use it. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I was younger, I used to say stuff like this. And, and I may still say it, you know. People said, well, the Lord told me to tell you. And I said, did the Lord forget my number? <laughs> did he forget how to talk to me? That he needed to bypass me to get go to you to tell me. Did he forget how to contact me? I think he knows me by name. He called him Simon, uh, called him um Simon Peter, and he says, but you shall be called Cephas. Cephas is Aramaic for little stone. We know Peter or Cephas is the Greek version, which means stone. And the Lord is saying, look, 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 you're Simon now. I see you as Simon, but I can see your potential and what you're going to become as long as you walk with me. You're going to become something that is solid, something as solid as a rock. There's a song in the 70s we used to sing. Y'all don't know that, you know. Many of y'all do. Some of you of my ilk and older, you remember solid as rock. Now, the thing is, is that the longer you walk with the Lord, he sees your potential. Oh, sure, you're messing up now and tripping up and falling and stumbling and bumbling along. But he sees what you can become as you draw closer and closer to him. He sees you as a Peter. Oh, you may be Simon right now, but he sees your potential in him and how he can use you. Peter, Peter, we're talking about Andrew found Peter. And then Peter, Peter preached a sermon, and his first sermon, 3,000 people came to know the Lord in Acts 2, verse 41. It was Andrew who brought the little boy. You remember the little boy with the five loaves and two fish? That Jesus will multiply and feed 5,000 in John 6 in verses 8 and 9. It was also Andrew who brought some Greeks to Jesus in John 12 in verses 20 to 22. He also, um, he was also consumed with Jesus to the point, to the point, watch this, where it was first in his life to bring people to Jesus. Verse 41 says, he first found his own brother. And let me ask you, what's first in your life? Is it to climb the corporate ladder? Is it to make straight A's? Now there's nothing wrong with going up the ladder, there's nothing wrong with making straight A's. But notice I said, what's first? What's first? What are you consumed with? What wakes you up and drives you? For Andrew, it was bringing people to Jesus. What is it for you? What drives you? What gets you up? Oh, yeah, I got to go to the job. You know, I got to get a paycheck, pay the bills, keep a roof over the head. Okay, okay, okay. And you wake up and do it all over again. Then at the end of about 30 years, they throw you a little watch soon as you get home, it's broke. (laughs) You know, and you done busted your rear end for 30 years for a company. And you know what the company said? Just like in our area's military. You know what the military says? You know what the company says after 30 years and 20 years and all this sort of stuff? You know what Uncle Sam says? Next man up. That's what they said. Then they burned him out for another 20, 30 years. Then they would say, next man up or woman up. What's first in your life? What drives you? Well, I got to get my degree. As soon as I get my degree, then, you know, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this. And and then you're going to work for 20, 30 years. (laughs) Get a little plaque. They throw you a little party with some cake. And they will say, next man up. Now, there's nothing wrong with working jobs and doing that and giving it your all. But what's first? What's first? What's, 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 what's first that's, that will bring eternal dividends. This is what we're talking about. Yes, we got to work. Man doesn't work. He doesn't need, we got to work. We got to keep the roof over the head, but what's first, what's first? This is what we have to ask ourselves. And he was able to tell us what's first. And that was bringing people to the Lord. Look at verse 43. It said, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to uh, Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, I, I want you to bring something to your attention, which is the heart of Jesus. Luke 19 verse 10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And this was demonstrated in how he found Philip. Now, when it says that he found Philip, you know what that means? He was looking for. Him. That's what that means. The Greek word for found is horisko, and it's an amazing Greek word. It means to discover after diligently looking. And notice how the first part of this verse says that Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He wanted to go north into Galilee because he knew that Philip was going to be there. The heart of Jesus is to seek and to save the lost. It reminded me of uh, John 4 verse 4. You In John 4 4 it says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Well, technically he didn't need To go through Samaria you got to understand the Jews hated the Samaritans you talking about racial tension today oh nothing compared to the Jew and uh, Samaritan hatred they hated they wouldn't even go if they were going north into Galilee you had to go through Samaria they wouldn't dare do that they would take the coast they would go around the area of Perea to bypass Samaria to get to Galilee All the Jews would do that because they didn't even want Samaritan dust to get on them. Hated them. But here's Jesus. He needed to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman by the well that was kind of what we used to say a long time ago, kind of around the way kind of woman. (laughs) And Jesus knew that woman knew a lot of men that she was around the way with. And Jesus touched that woman. And that woman went out and got all those men. Come see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. And those guys were like, everything? (laughs) We gotta go see this dude. They came out, great revival in Samaria, you know the story. Jesus needed to go to Galilee because there was a man there named Philip that he wanted to reach. You know, back in 1985, Jesus needed to go through Okinawa, Japan, because there was a young Marine there that he needed to touch, and he saved me, soundly saved me. See, and Jesus needed to go wherever it is that he found you. Now, I know, I know what we say, you know. Well, you know, I found the Lord back in 19... No, no, you didn't find the Lord. He found you. He wasn't lost. You were. (laughs) I know what we're saying. You know, you were lost. I found the Lord, you know. (laughs) Never forget that day back in, what was it, 1960? Stop. Stop it. Jesus needed to go to your workplace to find you. He's going to find some of you at Liberty. Well, you got to keep, why you keep dogging on Liberty? We all Christians. (laughs) Are you? Oh, watch this. Many of you. Oh, this is good here. Many of you are still riding on the skirt tail of Christianity from your parents. There's a time that you have to make mommy and daddy's God your God and some of you have not done that. You think whenever you use terminology that I've been a Christian my whole life, no one is a Christian their whole life. We're born sinners. That you're not saved yet. Oh, that's okay. That's a hard pill to swallow. That's okay. Just do like this to help it go down. You know. Just... There's a point that you have to recognize that you have sinned and your need for a savior, you have to repent and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You know, it's been just lately. I just, you know, there's all these new fads. Folks saying, well, you, hey, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you got to ask Jesus into your heart. What, 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 what Bible are you reading? Watch this. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. How do you think he got there? (laughs) You had to ask him to come in. If you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10.9-10. We all know that. Everybody in Lynchburg knows that. (laughs) And there's a point, precious students. Some of you are still riding on your mommy and daddy's Christianity. And you have not made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. You know how David said, the Lord is my shepherd. That possessive pronoun, mine, speaks of ownership. He's mine. And many of you have not said that yet. And there's going to come a time you have to. I'm running out of time. Once again, I'm running out of time. But at least I got a little bit further than I did last service. So look what he says in verse 44. And, you know, it's funny because, matter of fact, this is where I ended up last service, verse 44. Now watch this. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Stop right there. Philip was from Bethsaida. Now Bethsaida was a a city on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And it was, it was the city of Andrew and Peter. Oh, really? Mark's gospel in Mark 1 verse 21 and Mark uh, 1 verse 24, it says that Peter and Andrew were from Capernaum. But this verse says that they were from Bethsaida. Oh, Pastor Tony, I never saw that contradiction in the Bible. Oh, you know, it's no contradiction. Now, let me get real deep with you because the answer to this question is deep. I mean, theologically deep, you know, you Liberty students, y'all love that deep stuff. Okay. It's going to get deep. Let me help you with this contradiction. If it says that they were from Bethsaida, but this verse says that they are from Capernaum. You know what the answer to this is? It's real deep. They moved. (laughs) It's as simple as that. They moved. When Jesus set up his uh, headquarters in the city of Capernaum, they moved. To be closer to Jesus. What are you willing to do to be closer to Jesus? Are you going to wake up early in the morning to be closer to Jesus? Because your roommates and all the mother folks and the quads and all that other mess, they making all kinds of noise. And are you willing to wake up early to get closer to Jesus? Some of you live far away. You may live a half an hour or more away from here. Are you willing to move uh, to this area to be closer to Jesus? What are you willing to do to be closer to Jesus? They moved. It's as simple as that. Now, you don't have to. Nobody's pulling your leg and said, you know, get the U-Haul. Put the house up for sale. But God may tell you that. That's that's between you and the Lord. But they moved to be closer to Jesus. Look at where you are right now spiritually with the Lord. Are you willing to move to be closer to Jesus all last two and a half years? Everybody backslid. But what are you willing to do to be closer to Jesus? And I got a couple of minutes where I can get in one one more verse. Oh, boy, I'm really doing good now. Verse 45 says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, you just got to come and see. Now, I want you to notice it says Philip found Nathanael. Horisco, is the same Greek word that used when Jesus found Philip. Now Philip found Nathanael. This is good. When you get closer to Jesus, what's close to the heart of Jesus will be close to your heart. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And then guess what? That became their heart as well. So they, they went out and found somebody. Jesus found them. They went out and found someone. If you have no heart for lost people, then you don't have the heart of Jesus. Well, how can you be so bold and say that? I just said it. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have a heart for those far from God, you don't have the heart of Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That, that means that, you know, it takes some, some effort and some work. It's easy to sit back and just say, "Ah, how many lost people come to me? Let me tell you something. Well, I'm going to let lost people come to church. Now, watch this. It is not normal for a lost person to come to church just like it's not normal for a criminal to go to a police station. It's just not where he wants to be. But when you touch them and invite them to do life together... You, it sacrificed going to lunch with them, going to dinner, uh, hanging out, playing a video game, or whatever it is you have to do to, to see that it goes back, what are you willing to reach lost people? What are you willing to do to reach lost people? What you, I mean, what are you willing to do? These folks were about that life. Jesus found them. They were with Jesus. His heart became theirs. And they went out to seek. And it says that he found Philip. That means he was looking for him. Now, I only got a minute left. And I'm going to have the end right there. Maybe third service. Three times. Maybe I can get it then. But I, I, I pretty much got it. Now, let me just close with this. The title is Come and See. And there are many, 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 many lost people out there that we have to invite to do life. It used to be a time where we can just go and, you know, knock on doors before the Jehovah Witnesses blew that, you know. (laughs) We used to be able to do that we we used to be able to hand out tracts all over the place and and then the atheists they blew that they stopped us from that but there are people who are far from god that we can do life with not do sin with i said do life with invite them out to eat invite them come over and watch a game come on man let's watch game together bro leave your brew Leave your beer and your stuff. No, we're going to watch the game. I, I provide some chips and some pizza and stuff, and we'll we drink some soda. But uh, let's go, come on, watch game. And just begin to just do life with people. And get, because it's about relationships that's going to enable us. See, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. As we give our testimony and what Jesus has done for us, as you're watching the game or as you're doing whatever it is, ladies. Some of you watching the game too, but whatever it is, you do. We we, we watching games, football season. I'm sorry y'all lost uh, yesterday. I'm sorry, Liberty. I was rooting for y'all. My son and daughter graduated from Liberty, so I was rooting for y'all. Y'all lost a couple points Oh man. But we can just invite people to do life. And I'm 16 seconds over, so let me conclude with that. Look for people to do life with. And don't forget this last word. You talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Thank you for your word. Minister to us this word. Write this word upon our hearts that we might not sin against you. And Lord, we love you because you first loved us. You demonstrated your love by sending Jesus to the cross. And so God, we pray move upon this precious church, move upon these precious people, use them to reach this area and their families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thank you so much in Jesus name. Amen.